Nice to doing you guys back for another episode of Dungeons and Dragons. And today we're gonna continue to learn about races. Uh, we're on we have two or three more episodes before we're done all the races, then we'll move on to something else. And uh, yeah, I'd like to thank you guys for supporting the show. We don't I don't pay that advertised this show at all. So it really helps if you guys uh, yeah, like you guys listen to it and spread the word. I just like thank you for that. And, uh, yeah, I was gone, this is, like, the first episode in, like, seven weeks, so we have a few things to talk about before the, we really hop into the episode, okay? So, yeah, as you know, I was away on vacation for four weeks, and in the past three weeks, I've been busy, and I haven't put out an hour episode. So, I'm gonna make up for that, like, seven hours of content you guys lost, to, like, me being busy, and vacation, and this week, this Wednesday, to next Wednesday, I'm gonna put out an episode every single day. That's seven days of straight episodes, seven hours of content all of that for you guys there's also so we're gonna we have as i said we have two three episodes left and we're done talking about races and uh so we're gonna do those two three episodes and then if we still have more like episodes left in this seven days seven hours thing we're going to uh talk about like some marathon stuff like I don't know, like, maybe it could be if you guys send me questions about Dungeons and Dragons, I'll answer them. I have, like, these other kind of extra books of Dungeons and Dragons. I could go do reviews on different adventures. And, yeah. So, I'd also like to say that you guys can send me your questions, any of that stuff. These extra episodes could be, like, your guys' questions just what you want the extra episodes to be about, like, ideas you have for the show, just anything, just, uh, yeah, just email me, and you can, uh, find me at thednguy at gmail.com, no capitals, no spaces, so it's no capitals, no spaces, t-h-e-d-a-n-d-d, G-U-Y and then the at symbol G-M-A-I-L dot C-O-M the D&D guy at gmail.com no capitals, no spaces and I'll put it, it'll be in the episode description too alright, so now we'll talk maybe a bit more about this at halftime and uh, yeah, let's hop into the rest of the episode Dragonborn. So, the first race we're going to talk about is Dragonborns. You might ask, what's a Dragonborn? Your experienced players will probably already know, but for the newer players, I'll tell you. So, Dragonborn are one of the races in the player's handbook, and they're kind of like dragon that walk on two feet like a human. They have, like, a body shaped like a human, but they kind of have scales and, like, a face and stuff that look like a dragon. They're kind of a mix between a human and a dragon. And, yeah. So, as always, I have a little, like, clip thing to read here. 
And then we'll start talking about different, like, attributes of your dragon, like, how to play your dragon, like, personality traits, what you look like. Then we'll go into some names, and we'll go into, like, game traits and game, game statistics. Oh, also, for the, I'm gonna call it the seven days, seven hour week, we're gonna do the first few episodes. As I said, we'll be learning about more races for newbie players and for you experienced players. I'm going to add that that extra content will be more geared towards you and some f- also it'll be fun for everyone, okay? So first of all, I have a little uh, clip here. I think it's in the post handbook. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. So <clears throat> her father stood on the first of the three stairs that led down from the portal unmoving. The scales of his face had grown paler around the edges, but clanless man still looked as if he could wrestle down a dire bear himself. A dire bear was like a massive bear. His fami- his familiar, well-worn armor was gone, replaced by violet-tinted scale armor with bright silvery tracings. There was a blazon on his arm as well, the mark of some foreign house. The sword on his at his back was the same though, the one he had carried since even before he had found the twins left in in Swadelin at the gates of... Arishvayim, no, in Swadlin, at the gates of Arishvayim. For all her life, Feride had known that reading her father's face was a skill she'd been fortunate to learn. A human who couldn't spot the shift of her eyes or Havilar's uh, would certainly only see only the indifference of a dragon in clanless Mayhem's face. But the shift of skills, the arch of the ridge... Uh, the arch of a ridge, the set of his eyes, the gap of his teeth, her father's face spoke volumes. But every skill of it, this time, seemed completely still. The indifference of a dragon, even the Faraday. And that was by uh, from a book by Aaron M. Evans, from, from a book he wrote, he or she wrote, called The Adversary. And, uh, yeah, so Dragonborn... They were like, Dragonborn are very proud of their heritage. They don't like shun or like hide from their heritage. Even if the world might shun them and be fearful of them, they face the world proudly. Even if the world like greets them fearfully. So they originally were born of dragons and they hatched from dragon eggs as a unique race. They were either created by the like dragon gods or the dragons themselves. Uh doesn't really like in D and D his like some stuff in D and D will be left open like that like for dungeon masters to the side, and yeah so that's one of those things, and they basically have the best attributes of dragons and the best attributes of humans, they uh walk on their hind legs like humans and they can hold stuff in their talons and yeah but they also have like the thick scales of dragons and can breathe fire and like lightning and all that stuff. Yeah, so some dragonborn are servants to true to like true dragons. Some like fight in wars because of their like unique battle skills. Like they can breathe fire or like lightning or poison or like that that's a good that makes you a good fighter. And still others like like don't really know the calling. So those are some things you either think of. What's your dragonborn's calling? What's his purpose? So dragonborn are proud, like they look like dragons stand in erect in humanoid form, 
but they don't have wings or a tail. Like, the first Dragon Ball had vibrant scales, like, like, vibrant scales of, like, blue, black, red, but generations of, like, breeding with other races and stuff have, like, created more normal uniform appearance. So, like, their small fine scales are usually, like, a brass or bronze-like color. And, uh, sometimes, like, range to a scarlet, rust, gold, or copper green. And Dragon Balls are pretty tall and strong built. Like, they can be, like, over six and a half feet tall. Like, close to over six and a half feet tall. And they can weigh up to 300 pounds. These, like, they're big. They're, like, big. And, uh, yeah, their hands and feet are very strong, talon-like, like, talon-like claws with three fingers and a thumb, so they can, they can still grip stuff like humans, because you have thumbs. Yeah, so, sometimes the blood of a particular dragon will run very strong in a bloodline, and, uh, that is usually, like, through some dragonborn clans, like, Dragonborn love their clans, I'll talk about that in a second, but sometimes the bloodline's really strong in a particular clan, and that's where they'll get their, like, their breath weapon ability, where they can breathe, like, fire, lightning, acid, something like that, and that might change the color of their skills, like, if they breathe lightning, they might be, like, blue skills, they'll also be, like, like, directly related to different types of dragons, like, if they're directly related to red dragons, it'd be red skills, Blue dragons, blue skills. Green dragons, green skills. And gold dragons, gold skills. So on. And, uh, yeah. So, clans. Self-sufficient clans. So, like, to any dragonborn, the clan is more important than anything else in life. Even the gods to the dragonborns. Like, they, they respect and they, like, they devote their lives and their respect to their clan above all else. Uh, yeah, so what the Dragonborn does reflects on the honor of his or her clan. And, like, if you bring dishonor to your clan, you might be expelled from that clan or exiled from Dragonborn society completely. So, uh, each Dragonborn, like, knows his duty and station and within the clan. And, like, their honor demands, like, their strict honor code demands that they don't step our bounds of that duty, because that might seen be seen as dishonorable to their clan, and aka then they could be exiled or kicked out of their clan. So, uh, yeah, so Dragonborns are also, they always want to improve, always want to move up their station, their stats in their clan. Uh, so that reflects on the race as, like, self-sufficient. Dragonborns are really self-sufficient, all of them as a whole, like, a pretty self-sufficient race. Like, they value skill above most things and try to excel at everything, at, like, the, at most things. Like, they hate the fail, and, like, failing in life is a good thing. It's good to fail sometimes. You learn from your mistakes. But in Dragon Ball society, it's seen as a bad thing, and they push themselves to never fail. And they'll push themselves to, like, extreme efforts before, like, they give up on something. They'll never give up, which is a good thing. Like, it can be good and bad. And, uh, 
Dragon Bones will hold, like, their lifetime goal will be the master something. Like, be the best at sword fighting. The best at magic. The best at playing this musical instrument. Like, the best in the world. The universe. The, like, everything. Uh, yeah, it, members of our races who have, like, the same commitment, like, if a guy's, like, really dedicated to the sword and spends all his, like, free time, like, all his time, like, fighting with the sword and training, might, like, have good friendship with a dragonborn who, like, also, like, who also is really committed to the sword or is just, like committed really committed to anything because a dragonborn might respect will respect that and respect them do like all dragonborns really want to be self-sufficient and strive to be that they recognize that sometimes you need help in difficult situations but of course the best source of help to them is the clan if they can't turn to the when the clan needs help so might turn to another dragonborn clan before seeking help from other races, even, like, gods. And, uh, yeah, so Dragonborn names, hey, they have, uh, personal names given as birth, at birth, but they also put their clan names first, because it's, like, clan before everything, it's a mark of honor in their society, and among, like, groups of friends, a childhood name or nickname might also be used, And, like, that nickname might be called, like, an event or a habit. So, I have some examples of male, female, and uh, childhood and clan names. Usually, dragonborns will put the clan names first, and then the normal, like, name they were given at birth. And then among friends, they might just call them, like, by the, uh, by, like, the childhood name or nickname. So, male names. Air... Erjhan, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce these half, like half of these right. Balasar, Berash, Donar, Gesh, Heskin, Kriv, Medrash, Man, Nadar, Pandajed, Patron, Rogar, Shamash, Shedin, Tarhun, Torin, and then the female names, Akra, Beri, Dar, Faridah, Haran, Havilar, Jerry, Kava, Corin, Mishan, Nala, Para, Rayan, Sora, Surina, Thava, Ud, uh, Udijit, Udijit, and then childhood names: Climber, Earbender, Leaper, Pious, Shieldbiter, Zealous. Clan names. Cleth, Cleth in Thilalor, Dardren, Dard, Dardendrian, Dalm, Irev, Drac, Edandian, Fek, Cab, Fekabradon, Kepesh, Kepesh, Molik, Kerilon, Kim Batsu, Lynx, no, Lynx, Askin Aldor. This is, this is really a battle with these clan names. They're so long and, like, confusing. Miastan, Nemos, Nemonus, Nor, Norxios, Open, 
Stahl, Adger, Prax, Andelin, Shast, and Deliath, Turneroth, Versus Ath, Giesh, Yajuret, and that's all of them. A lot of traits, like what's your Dragonborn stats and traits? So, uh, like for ability scores, your strength will go up by two and your charisma will go up by one. Uh, age, so Dragonborns will go really quickly. They'll walk within hours of hatching. And, like, uh, like they gain, like, the size and development of a 10-year-old human child by the age of three and reach adulthood by 15. And they can live to be around 80. So, alignment, uh, they tend towards extremes, making, like, a choice in, like, the cosmic battle between good and evil, like, a strong choice and strongly believe in that between good and evil. Like, there's two main dragon, like, dragon gods, Behemoth and Tiamat. Tiamat's the god, no, Tiamat's the goddess of evil dragons, aka chromatic dragons, red, green, blue, black, and, uh, white. And then Behemoth is a god of good dragons and metallic uh let's see if i can remember them all brass bronze gold uh brass bronze gold let's see brass bronze gold copper and uh silver silver there we go and so like if they really believe in good they'll like they'll usually usually Dragonborn that believe in be- Fall Behemoth are Chaotic Good and Fall Tima are Chaotic Evil. And, uh, yeah. So, Dragonborn are usually taller and heavier than humans. They can stand well over 6 feet tall and average almost 250 to 300 pounds. And so, your size is medium. Uh, your base walking, so your walking speed is 30 feet. And, uh, Draconic Ancestry, so you choose one type of Draconic Ancestry, and that, like, decides usually if what your scales are and what breath weapon is. So, I'll go through that in a sec. And, so, breath weapon, so you can use your action... To exhale, like, destructive energy, your, whatever your Draconic Ancestry is, determines, like, the size, shape, and damage for, like, your Draconic, like, thin. And, uh, each creature in the area of, like, your breath weapon must make a dex save and throw, uh, either a dex or con save and throw, depends on the type of breath weapon. And... Uh, the DC for this save and throw is 8, plus your constitution modifier, plus your proficiency bonus, and the creature takes 2d6 damage on a failed save, or half as much damage on a successful one, and the damage increases to 3 6 at 6th level, 4d6 at 11th level, and 5d6 at 16th level, and once you use this, you can't use it again to finish uh, uh, a short long rest or rest. And depending on your Draconic Ancestry, you have resistance to the type of damage that your breath weapon does. And then you can also speak, read, and write common and Draconic. And uh, Draconic is usually thought to be one of the oldest languages and often used in the study of magic. It sounds harsh to most creatures, 
and like includes lots of hard consonants and uh syllables sibilians sibilians and so I'll run through the draconic ancestry chart I have so black if your ancestry is the black dragon so there's gonna be three parts I'm gonna say the color of the dragon like the type then the damage type then the breath weapon so black acid five by thirty foot line and they need to make a deck save blue lightning five by thirty feet line deck save brass fire five by thirty feet line deck save bronze lightning five by thirty feet line deck save copper acid five by thirty feet line deck save uh gold fire fifteen by fifteen foot cone deck save green poison fifteen foot cone deck save uh red fire fifteen foot cone deck save uh no actually the green green is poison it's a constitution save for the green dragon i didn't uh have it right i forgot now silver so for the green one green dragon it's constitution save not deck save silver cold 15 foot cone con save white cold 15 foot cone con save and uh yeah so that's all your traits and they also have this thin before we go in halftime. It's like a little thin on uncommon races. Let me get it. I think it's also in the player's handbook. Pretty sure. Uh, so I'll read it all and then we'll talk about it. So uncommon races. So the Dragonborn and the rest of the races. Uh, so yeah, so Dragonborn and the rest of the races we're going to talk about are uncommon they don't exist in every world of D&D, and even where they are found, they are less widespread, and the dwarves, elves, halflings, and humans are more widespread than them. So, in the Cosmopolitan cities of the D&D multiverse, most people hardly look twice at members of even the most exotic races. So, like, Cosmopolitan, Cosmopolitan is like big massive like cities in the cosmos the D&D like they don't even look twice on common races because there's lots of them there because it's a massive city but in small towns and villages that dot the countryside are very different the common folk aren't accustomed to seeing members of these races and they will react differently so for dragonborn it's easy to assume that the dragonborn is a monster especially if his or her skills like a chromatic heritage, like uh, like blue, black, green, red, or white, because those are chromatic dragons. Unless the dragonborn starts breathing fire and causing destruction through, people are likely to respond with caution rather than outright fear. Gnomes, uh, we'll talk about those after halftime. They don't look like a threat and can quickly disarm suspicion of good humor. The common folk are often curious about gnomes, likely never having seen one before but they're really hostile or fearful. Half-elf. Though many people have never seen a half-elf, virtually everyone knows they exist. So half-elves are like half-human, half-elf. A half-elf stranger's, a, a half-elf stranger's arrival is followed by gossip behind the half-elf's back and stolen glances from across the common room rather than any confronting or open curiosity. Uh, half-orc is usually is half-human, half-orc, and it's usually safe to assume that half-orc is belligerent and quick to anger, 
So people wash themselves around an unfamiliar havoc. Shopkeepers might, like, superstitiously hide valuable or fragile goods when a havoc comes in. And people slowly uh, clear out of a tavern, assuming that fight will break out soon. Tearflin? Tearflin are, like, these guys that kind of we're going to talk about them in maybe not this episode, in our episode. Like, kind of these things that look like they have, I I think picture here somewhere they have they have like purple reddish skin they have horns on their head they have a big thick like four like three to five feet long tail they just look like a monster like a devil they look like demons and devils like they look like a spawn of like a demon or a devil so like half looks agreed with practical caution but Tearflins are subject to supernatural fear. The evil their heritage is plainly visible in their features, and as far as most people are concerned, a Tearflin could very well be a devil straight from the Nine House. People might make warden signs as a Tearflin approaches, cross the street to avoid passing near, or bar shop doors before a Tearflin can enter. And yeah, those are typical reactions to uncommon races in small towns. In cities, they usually don't get the same reactions. So we're going to cut the halftime, and uh, after that, we're going to talk about the uncommon race, the gnomes. So remember last time we did halftime? Okay, I was like... Seven or eight weeks ago? That was, like, eight weeks ago. We did, like, uh, eight or nine weeks ago? Like, I think that was two months ago. We did, uh, like, we were talking, we finished talking about different panthens and big dandy worlds. And we were going to do, for a few episodes, like, sample pantheons in, like, real life. Like, the real world. So... I think we're going to need two episodes. I have four pantheons, Celtic, the Celtic deities, the Greek deities, the Egyptian deities, and the Norse deities. We're going to run through those. And then we're going to start talking about how to create your own pantheon for your own D&D world. So we're going to need two episodes for this. One Today we're going to do Celtic and Greek, and tomorrow we're going to do Egyptian and Norse, because tomorrow is day two of seven days and seven hours. So the Celtic pantheon. So I'll just run through it. As always, I'm going to say the deity and what they're the god of. Then I'm going to say, like, the alignment, like, typical alignment of clerics that, like, worship them. Uh, suggested domains for clerics that worship them, because domains are, like, there's different domains clerics can choose. And then there's symbol. So I'm going to, let's start it off. Daghida, Daghid, Daghida. God of weather and the cro- and crops. Uh no, it's the Daghida, God of weather and crops. I'm probably not gonna pronounce half of these right, so bear with me. Alignment, charted good, suggested domains, nature and trickery, symbol, bubbling cauldron or shield. Orion, Orion, Orion. It's A R A W N. All right, 
I don't know how to pronounce that, God of Life and Death, Neutral Evil, Life, Death, Black Star and Grey Background, Belenos, God of this God of Sun, Light and Warmth, Neutral Good, Light, Solo Disc, Unstanding Stones, Brigantia, Goddess of Rivers and Livestock, Neutral Good, Life, Footbridge, Diane Ketch, no, Diane Ketchet, God of Masson and Healing, Lawful Good, Life, Crossed Oak and Mistletoe Branches, uh, Donatus, God of Mountains and Peaks, Neutral, Nature, Red Sun Cap Mountain Peak, Goib Hinui Hin Yu, God of Smiths and Healing, Neutral Good, Knowledge, Life, Giant Mallet over Sword, Lug, Lug, God of Arts, Travel and Commerce, Chaotic Neutral, Knowledge, Life, Pair of Lawn Hands, Man and Man and Anne, Mac, Man and Anne, Mac Lear, God of Oceans and Sea Creatures, Lawful Neutral, Nature, Tempest, Wave of White Water on Green, Math, Math Oni, Onwi, God of Magic, Neutral Evil, Knowledge, Staff, Morgan, Goddess of Battle, Chartic Evil, War, Two Cross Spears, uh, Nuada, God of War and Warriors, Neutral, War, Silver Hand on Black Background, Ogma, God of Speech and Writing, Neutral Good, Knowledge, Unfold Scroll, and you'll see sometimes that for D and D worlds they'll take some like guys from Pantheons. Like when we go to create your own Pantheons, you're perfectly welcome if you want, and and if you want to even create your own Pantheon, to take like names and gods from like different real world Pantheons and D and D Pantheons, like the Forgotten Realms Pantheon. Like the guy took Ogma from the Celtic Pantheon. So Ogma, God of Speech and Writing, Neutral Good, Knowledge, Unfold Scroll. Sylvanas, God of Nature and Forests, Neutral, Nature, Summer Oak Tree. And now we're moving on to the Greek deities. So Zeus, God of the Sky, Ruler of the Gods, New, uh, Alignment Neutral, Suggested Domains, Tempest, Symbol, Fistful of Lightning Bolts, Aphrodite, Goddess of Love and Beauty, Chalk Good, Light, Seashell, Apollo, God of Music, God of Light, Music and Healing, Child of Good, Knowledge, Life, Light, Lear, Ares, God of War and Strife, Child of Evil, War, Spear, Artemis, Goddess of Hunting and Childbirth, Neutral Good, Life, Nature, Bow and Arrow on Lunar Disc, Athena, Goddess of Wisdom and Civilization, Lawful Good, Knowledge, War, Owl, Demeter, Goddess of Agriculture, Neutral Good, Life, Mary's Head, uh, Mare's Head, so that's like, yeah, Dionysus, God of Mirth and Wine, Chalk Neutral, Life, Theresus, Theresus, it's a staff tipped with a pine cone, like, yeah, Hades, God of the Underworld, Lawful Evil, Death, Black Ram, Hecate, Goss of Magic and, moon, and the Moon, Chaotic Evil, Knowledge, Trickery, Sand, Moon, Hephaestus, God of Smithing and Craft, 
Neutral Good, Knowledge, Hammer and Anvil, Hera, Goss of Marriage and Intrigue, Chaotic Neutral, Trickery, Fan of Peacock Feathers, Hercules, God of Strength and Adventure, Archer Good, Tempest, War, Lion's Head, Hermes, God of Travel and Commerce, Chaotic Good, Trickery, Kadukias, Wind Staff, it's a Wind Staff, uh, and serpents, it's like a wind staff. It's a staff of winds on the top and like serpents twine it. Uh Hestia, goss of home of home and family, neutral good, life, hearth, Nike, goss of victory, lawful neutral, war, wind woman, pan, gov nature, chaotic neutral, nature s- Syrinx, which is panpipes, like the Greek name for panpipes. Poseidon, God of the Sea and Earthquakes. Chart Neutral, Tempest, Trident. And then Teich, Goss of Good Fortune, Neutral, Trickery, and Red Pentagram. So, like, I've went then. Dionysus, the god of mirth and wine. Like, why would you, like, if I was Dionysus, like, if I was the god of wine, a god of wine, why would I choose, like, something like a wine glass or a wine bottle or, like, some grapes as my symbol? Why would I choose a staff with a pine cone on top? That's just my question. So, yeah. So that's our halftime. Let's hop back into the episode and learn about gnomes. Okay, so gnomes. So, first of all, we're gonna like read a little clip I have. Then we're gonna talk about like what gnomes look like, personalities, stuff for helping you build your characters. Then we'll talk about names. Then we're gonna talk about uh, like different your actual traits in the game. So first of all, I'll read the little clip I have. Skinny and flaxen haired, his skin walnut brown, and his eyes a sterling turquoise. Burgle stood half as tall as Aaron and had to climb up on a stool to look out the people. Like most habitations in Oabil, that particular tenement had been built for humans, and the small resi- uh, residents coped, up, coped with the coping with the coped with the results in awkwardness as best as they could. But at least the relative largeness of the apartment gave Burgle room to pack in all his gnome-sized gear. The front room was his workshop, and it contained a bewildering, uh, bewildering, miscellany of tools, hammers, chisels, saws, lockpicks, tinted lenses, jewelers, loops, and jars of powdered and shredded ingredients for casting spells. A fat gray cat, the mage's familiar, lay curled atop a grimoire. It opened its its uh, eyes. Gave Aaron a disdainful yellow stare, then appeared to go back to sleep. And that was uh, written by Richard Lee uh, Beers, and it was part of the book The Black Boquet. So, gnomes. I don't know gnomes as well as our races, but, well, bear with me. So, yeah. Like, gnomes are always, pretty much always busy, and, like, the, 
usually really busy in the ones and the neighborhoods where gnomes form their close-knit communities. And uh, louder sounds might like punctuate the hum, a crunch of grinding gears here, a minor explosion there, a yelp of surprise or triumph, and especially laughter. Gnomes like to laugh. And gnomes were, like, the big tinkerers and, like, inventors, but they, they love life. They they enjoy every moment of invention, exploration, investigation, creation, and play. Like, they just, they just love life. And, like, vibrant expression. So, like, a, a gnome, a gnome's, like, energy and enthusiasm will shine through every inch of their tiny body. Gnomes are... Like, are averagely a bit over three feet tall and weigh 40 to 45 pounds. So, like, less, like, half the size of a human. And their their tan or brown faces are usually adorned with broad smiles. Beneath, like, big noses. noses, uh, Gnomes off, like, big noses. And uh, their bright eyes will, are, like, they are excited. Like, they'll have bright, excited eyes. Like, they usually have fair hair, and it usually sticks out in every direction. And, uh, yeah, gnomes are, like, interested in everything around them. Like, a gnome's personality is, like, larger than his or her appearance. Like, a male gnome's beard in, like contrast to his wild hair is like might be like kept carefully trimmed or stylized in the like forks or neat points like a gnome's clothing uh might is usually be decorate like might usually be made in modest earth tones is elaborately decorated with embroidery embossing or gleaming jewelry like so usually, like, it's, like, gnomes can be, they're not predictable at all. So, as far as gnomes are concerned, being alive is the most wonderful thing in the world. And they, like, they'll squeeze out every ounce of enjoyment, like, out of their three to five centuries of life. Like, gnomes will live a long time, but they'll enjoy it, even, like, if races, like... Even, like, elves who live, like, 250 years longer than gnomes, gnomes will enjoy their life ten times more than elves. Gnomes will squeeze every every moment they'll enjoy. They'll love, they love life. Like, uh, humans might wonder about, like, getting bored over the course of such a long life. And, uh, elves will take plenty of time to, like, savor the beauty of the world in their long years. But gnomes seem to worry that even with all that time, they can't get in enough things that they want to do and see. Gnomes want to do and see everything. Like, gnomes will speak even if they can't get the thoughts out of their head. Gnomes speak if they can't get the thoughts out of their head fast enough. Like, uh, even, like, if, as they offer, like, ideas and opinions on a range of subjects, they still manage to listen carefully to others. Like, gnomes are good at multitasking. And, uh, they also, and, like, add, yeah. So, uh, so, gnomes will love jokes of all kinds, particularly, like, puns and pranks. Uh, 
but uh, they're also just as dedicated to serious talk. Uh, many gnomes become skilled engineers, alchemists, and tinkers and inventors. They're like willing to make mistakes and laugh at themselves in the process of perfecting what they do, like taking bold, sometimes foolhardly risks, and dreaming large. Like the the willing the, like yeah the the dream large and the willing to make mistakes and mess up and laugh at themselves along the way, to their goal to accomplishing the goal, so bright burrows, so gnomes will make their homes in hilly wooded lands, though they live underground but will get more fresh air than dwarves do and they'll because they'll enjoy like the natural surface world whenever they can and uh the homes are well hidden but they're also cleverly constructed and like they also have simple illusions and uh like welcome visitors will be like ushered in to bright warm burrows those that are not welcome are unlikely to find the burrows in the first place they're well hidden so gnomes who live among humans and settle in human lands are like commonly gem cutters, engineers, sages, or tinkers. So some gnomes will have like human tutor tutors on the subjects because they're really good, and the gnomes will ensure that their pupils enjoy a mix of serious learning and like enjoyment. So uh, a gnome might tutor several generations of a same like family because of their such their long life. So. Gnomes, like, gnomes might take up adventuring. Like, one reason your gnome might take up adventuring is to see the world and a love of exploring. Uh, gnomes love gems and other fine items, and they might take up adventuring as a quick, like, if not dangerous, path to wealth. And, like, regardless of what spurs them to adventuring, they'll enjoy it. Like, they'll just... They just enjoy everything. So names. So gnomes love names, like, as they love everything. So a gnome's, like, mother, father, clan elder, aunts, uncles, each give the gnome a name. And various nicknames from just about everyone else might or might not stick over time. And, uh, yeah, gnome names are usually variants on, like, names of ancestors or different distant relatives. And... But some are purely new inventions. And uh, when dealing with humans and others who are stuffy, stuffy about names, that's what the gnomes call them, uh, a gnome learns to use no more than three names, a personal name, a clan name, and a nickname, choosing the one in each category that's most fun to say. So gnomes, like when dealing with races, will have a personal name, a clan name, and a nickname, but when dealing with other gnomes, like in the clan and like the where they live, they might have like hundreds of names, one for each other, one for each other gnome. So, uh, male names. I have some sample male names, like for their personal name. For their personal name, I have sample male names and female names, and I have sample clan names and nicknames. So male names: Alston, Elvin, Elvin. Bald, bald in body nook, broke, burgel, dimble, elden, erky, fonkin, frug, gerbo, gimble, glim, gebedon, gebedo, kellen, 
Namfudo, Orion, Rundar, Sibo, Sindri, Worin, Gran, Zook. And then some female names are Bimpnoten, uh, Bim, Brina, Karap, Karamip, Carlin, Donella, Duvemil, Ella, Elijobo, Eliwick, uh, Lily, Lily, Lupmelton, Lorla, Mard, uh, Mardnap, Nessa, Nix, Oda, Orla, Warwin, Shanna, Tana, Waywalker, Xana. And then some sample clan names are Baron, Dagergel, Folklore, Garrick, Knackle, Murnig, Ningle, Ronal, Skenepin, Timbers, Turin. And then some sample nicknames are Alessosh, Ashheart, Ashearth. Badger, cloak, double lock, flick batter, fnipper, coo, nim, one shoe, hawk, sparkle gem, stumble duck, and uh, yeah. So here we have two subraces and gnomes of statistics, and then there's also a third subrace that there's not statistics for, and you can't play in the game. Unless, like, your DM allows you to make, like, unless your DM or you and the DM allows it, makes up that subrace. And it's called the Deep Gnomes. And they're also called Siv Ilfenambulin. I can't pronounce it. Uh, they'll live, like, in small communities on the Underdark. So the Underdark is, like, these massive chasms that are under, like, the world. And unlike the Dugar and the Drow, which are like Dugars, like these dwarves that live in the Underdark, and the Drow are these like, like these elves that live in the Underdark, they're both evil races, evil subraces. The, the Deep Gnomes are as good as their surface cousins. However, like, uh, their humor and like enthusiasm are a bit dampened by like their oppressive environment, and their inventive expertise is like most directed mostly towards stonework so uh gnome traits so your gnome gets a plus two to intelligence along with a plus one to a narrow ability score like depending on you if you're a forest gnome or a rock gnome so age like you mature at the same age as humans do and most are expected to sell down in the adult life by around age 40 and they can live 350 to almost 500 years alignment so, gnomes are most often good. Those who tend towards law are like sages, engineers, researchers, scholars, investigators, or inventors. And those who tend towards chaos are minstrels, tricksters, wanderers, fancy, fanciful jewelers, and fanciful jewelers. And uh, gnomes are good-hearted, and even the tricksters among them are more playful than vicious. So, gnomes are usually either lawful good or chaotic good. So, size... Gnomes are between 3 and 4 feet tall and average about 40 pounds, so your size is small. Uh, speed, their base walking foot speed is 25 feet. 
dark vision, so they're accustomed to life underground, and they can see in uh, like the dark, they can see 60 feet in front of them in dim light as if a bright light, and 60 feet in front of them in dark light as if it was dim light. And then uh, Gnome Cunning, so you have advantage on all intelligence, wisdom, and charisma, same with those against magic languages, so you can speak, read, and write common and gnomish. So the Gnomish language, uh, which uses like the Dwarvish script, is renowned for its technical uh, treatises and its catalogs of knowledge about the natural world. And then there's two sub-races, you're going to choose one. There's the Forest Gnome and then the Rock Gnome. So uh, yeah. So also another thing about Gnomes is they're always appreciative and like they're not usually hostile or malicious or like malicious. Unless they have, like, unless they're, like, really badly injured or, yeah, unless, or, like, attacked. And, uh, gnomes know that most races don't share, like, their big sense of humor. But they enjoy, like, anyone's company just as they enjoy everything else that, like, they, in life. So, forest gnome. So, forest gnomes usually have, like, a natural knack for illusion and... They're good at, like, they're quick and they're stealthy. And in the worlds of D&D, forest gnomes are really rare and secretive. They gather in hidden communities and silver-thin forests, using illusions and trickery that conceal themselves from threats or master escape, should they be detected. And forest gnomes tend to be friendly uh, with other good-spirited woodland folk, and they regard elves and good fae as their most important allies. And these gnomes are also, like, well, so befriend small forest animals and rely on them for information about threats that might prowl their lands. So, as a forest gnome, your dexterity score increases by one. And you have, uh, you know the minor illusion cantrip. Uh, so, and that's one, this is a cantrip. Remember, there's first and ninth level spells, and then there's cantrips. Cantrips are spells you can cast whenever, and... First and ninth level spells are spells that you can only cast a certain number of times a day. So they know the you know the minor illusion cantrip. And intelligence is your spell casting ability for it. And speak of small beasts, so through sounds and gestures, you can communicate simple ideas of small or small beasts. And uh forest gnomes love animals and often keep squirrels, badgers, rabbits, moles, woodpeckers, and other creatures as beloved pets. So rock gnomes so, as a rock gnome, you are, like, a natural inventor and have a hardiness that other gnomes don't have. So, most gnomes in the world of D&D are rock gnomes, including the tinker gnomes of the Dragonlance setting. And so, ability score improvement. So, your constitution score increases by one. And artifice is lore. So, when you make an intelligence, his, like, intelligence history check uh, related to magic items, uh, alchemical objects... Or technology device or technological devices like a ballistae, a potion, uh, like a gear, like a pulley, like a, a gear-like thing, or like a magic sword. You uh can add your proficiency bonus. You can add twice your proficiency bonus instead of any proficiency bonus you normally apply. So if you're proficient in history, you'd normally add your intelligence plus your proficiency bonus. If you're not, you just add your intelligence. With this, you add your intelligence. Uh, if you're a rock gnome and you're like doing a history check on one of these things I listed, 
you add your you add your intelligence plus your proficiency you add your intelligence plus twice your proficiency bonus so yeah like if your proficiency bonus is plus two and your intelligence is plus three you'd have a plus seven on history checks related to what i listed so you also have an ability called tinkerer so you are proficient with artisan slash tinkerer tools and using these tools you can spend one hour and ten gold pieces worth of materials to construct a tiny clockwork device that has a armor class of five and one hit point and this device ceases to function after 24 hours unless you spend one hour repairing it uh, to keep the device functional, functioning or when you use your action to dismantle it at any time. And at any time you can like reclaim the materials used to create it. So you can have up to three such devices active at any time. So when you create the device, you choose one of the following options. So there's four, no there's three, clockwork toy. So this toy is like a clockwork. Uh, work animal, monster, or person such as a frog, mouse, bird, dragon, or soldier. When placed on the ground, the toy moves five feet across the ground on each of your turns in a random direction. It makes noises as appropriate uh, to the creature it represents. Firestarter. This device produces a miniature flame, which you can use to light a candle, torch, or campfire. And uh, using the device requires your action. And music box, when open, this music box plays a single song at a moderate volume. The box stops playing when it reaches the song's end or when it's closed. And yeah, so that's all you need to know about gnomes, the race gnomes. So next time, uh, we'll do half-elves and half-orcs. And if we try and fit in and have time, we can do tierflins. May, may not have time. And uh, yeah, so this is the end. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. This is the end of the first episode in the seven days, seven hours. So, that's what I'm calling the seven episodes we're going to put this week. Seven days, seven hours. Because it's seven days and seven hours of content. And remember, if you have any questions or, like, concerns or, like, like, uh information you want to share or like just suggestions for the podcast you can contact me at the dnd guy at gmail.com that's no spaces no capitals the dnd guy at gmail.com t-h-e-d-a-n-d-d-g-u-y the at symbol and then G-M-A-I-L dot C-O-M. The DD guy at gmail.com. You can contact me there. And uh, yeah, so this episode's over. Next week, we're going to either try or almost finish up the races. And when we finish up the races for the rest of the episodes in the seven days, seven hours week, we're going to do... We're gonna do uh, like bonus content or like questions or anything, you guys. Yeah, I'll pick the bonus content, but if you guys send in like questions or like ideas for the bonus content, we'll do that. Like, if you guys want to learn about some more different races from like a different book, like learn about monsters from a different book, a specific monster, talk about a spell, anything, any questions or anything in DD. You can email me, and uh, in the next episode, in one of the episodes of the 7 Day 7 Hours week, we'll talk about that. So, yeah, I'll see you guys tomorrow.